so let me ask you, what's your most memorable teaching moment? How long have you been teaching for? I've been teaching since 2010. So what does that make it? Nine years? I've been teaching for nine years. I, I'm so. so happy you answered that, like, on film. Like, 2010 to 2019, <laughs> the simple math. <laughs> I know. My brother often teaches, like, you, you teach kids math. Yeah. Uh, okay. Amazing. Grade five math, guys. Yeah. Five math. Um, <laughs> most memorable teaching moment. You know what? I'm currently in um, a position where I'm teaching... ESL students, so students who are new to the country, and I think when I when I'm reflecting on that, it's bringing it forward. So um, we all know what we know, and I know the experience that I had as a family coming to Canada, yeah. and somehow that has driven me on this path where I want to give back to other families who are um, having similar experiences. Yeah. So I work with these amazing ESL students and. <laughs> Every day with them, honestly, is memorable because they are experiencing things for the first time or they are realizing things for the first time. I couldn't necessarily pinpoint one particular example, but working with them is definitely memorable. The best thing is when they come back and they've been to high school for about two it. years. I love it. I love it. And they come back <clears throat> to you and they share stories of their success. It it really, it really. Um, if I can frame it in this way that I feel so passionate about teaching, we haven't talked about passion yet, but right, there's lots of passion that you need to have in whatever you're doing. Once that passion is removed, um, you're not gonna enjoy what you're doing. No. So I have a lot of passion for teaching, and when those students come back from high school and share that, you know, their successes, their successes and how they're um, thriving, it just humbles me so much that, like you said, I get paid to do this. Yeah. This is what my paychecks come from, doing the easiest task. What I feel is the easiest task, and that is just letting students be who they are. Yeah. And um, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I shared on multiple times. Like, I'd be driving into work, and I'd be like, <laughs> giddy. I'm like, I really can't <laughs> believe someone's paying me to do this. And it's, it's I wouldn't, I, I don't know if it, it would be the easiest task. It's the most natural task True. to be kind, to be in a position to empower people, to have people realize their true potential. And you may think like, you know, people discredit younger kids, be like, oh, they're grade one. They like, they don't know. No they way. know. Like, don't don't take that as a, as an excuse for you not to bring it into the classroom. You bring it. Like, what we can accomplish with three year olds and four year olds is phenomenal. You gotta. You got to bring the passion and you got to know that you have the ability to completely transform someone's life. And having being grade 8 teacher for so many years and having kids come back, I'm even now connecting with kids on LinkedIn who are like, "Oh my gosh, like this kid's like 28 years old. I taught you in grade 5, do the quick math." I'm like, "Whoa." And they still call me Mr. Kim, right? And I'm like, "This is insane." The one thing that I love is, is like they're like, "You were the teacher. You were the teacher for me." And I'm like, "Man, that was grade 5. That was a long time ago." But it's passion. We don't ever think about, you know what, uh, I don't want to do this extra thing because maybe I'm not getting paid for it. I don't want to yeah. do this extra thing because I'm not going to get any credit for it. You have always been like, it's going to get done. It needs to be done because that's what I do. Because right. it's so natural in the process. And I think that's tremendous, right? I really think that's tremendous. And you are the teacher for people, for the kids. Thanks. You are. No, you are. Like, I would want my own children to be taught by you. And that's what it comes down to. A lot of my colleagues ask me, right? They say, like, you're involved in so many things. You do, like, crazy extracurriculars. 
you know, you seem to have a handle on your class. Like, how do you do it? You and seem to have a <laughs> how do you how do you handle it? Like, how do you have so much in your cup that you're able to fill all these other cups? And what I say to them is, I'm hoping, I believe in karma, so I'm hoping that um, the efforts that I'm making for mm-hmm. somebody else's child, yeah. Zoya's teachers, in some other way, will feed it back to her. Like, I do believe in that loop. Yeah. What you can get, like, my mom always said, do good, not to expect good back done to you. Right? Do good because it will come back to you in other ways. And once you've actually tried that, yeah. just try it. Yeah. Do something without expecting anything back. Right? Without expecting a thank you. Without expecting um, a bonus or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Do something good and let it just sit there. Yeah. Don't think about it. And you will notice things automatically will come back and it will it will come to you in a way that you won't even realize. Yeah. You won't even connect the dots. Yeah. But it's because you are bringing that energy into the world. That energy will come back to you. It's hard though. And I tell this, I say it a lot. I'm like, if you can get a point, if you can get to a point in your life where you're just giving and you're not expecting anything in return, you don't have your hand out after you give something, it is really difficult for people to do that. But if you can, if you can get to that point in your life... But why is it difficult, right? It's difficult because when you're giving, mm-hmm. if you're with the mindset that I'm giving so I'm losing something, mm-hmm. that means that I'm expecting something to come yes. back. Yeah. Don't expect that you're losing something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it, Yeah. I, I Again, I 100% understand. I, I, I think... You understand me as well. Like that's that's just who we are. But so many people can't do it. I know. So many people can't do it. They they don't want to give because they feel they're not going to get anything in return, right? So it's just like reciprocity, like getting something back after I've given something else. And I think maybe it's just because as a society we're just protecting ourselves. I don't want to do something in 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 the for the fear of me getting hurt. And hurt not being like physical or whatever, but maybe hurt like emotionally. So I'm going to put myself out there, give you something and not get anything in return. Right? right. So something as simple as, I don't know, like getting, maybe getting into an initial relationship and everyone's like, oh, don't say I love you. Don't say I, because <laughs> what happens if they don't say it back to you, right? And so you hold firm. You're like, I'm not going to say it until you say it. And then you get to a point you're like, do you love me? Because I love you. And they're like, yeah, I love you too. And I'm like, right? Time. And I'm like, well, why don't we say it? Why don't we put ourselves out there, be kind, just do for others and just put it to rest. That's it. That's it. But I think it's just, we don't want to get hurt. So we're just, maybe it's a self-defense mechanism that we're just, we shut down, we shut off in that sense. I don't know. I Yeah, you're totally right. And I'm also thinking in the moment, sometimes we think that we have all the time in the world. We have infinite amount of time to later change or be kind later on. I can't do it right right now. Yeah. I'm in my midlife. I'm so busy. You know, when I'm when I'm retired, then I'm gonna start showing more kindness. Yeah. We seem to think that there's abundance of time. Yeah. And there really isn't, right? Um, my husband will be the first to tell you. I live by the motto: whatever you can do do today because we're not guaranteed tomorrow and that sucks for him because that means we're doing laundry today we're going grocery today we're cleaning the house today sorry but um that's you know that's that's really what i live by that i think that was something that my mom instilled in me right um that whatever you can do do it now while you can because tomorrow 
you hope and, and pray that you're going to be awake and everything's going to go as smoothly yeah. as it is. Yeah. But truthfully, we hear stories where that's not the case yeah. for people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I listened to a clip this morning just to that. Like, we are so caught up in planning on how long we're going to live that we actually don't even pay attention to planning for the day, how to live. So we, we consume everything that we do in our lives about, I want to get to 85, I want to get to 90, This these are the steps. When I retire, then I'm going to crush it, I'm going to do this. No, like, focus in, put all your energy in for today. Plan on what you're going to be doing today, right? Don't worry about 80, 95 years down the road. We have, we have a very finite amount of time, right? So I think I, I, I'm 100% with you on that. Um, there's this amazing book called The Happiness Equation by Neil, I don't know his last name, starts sure. with a P. And he frames that, you know, we live our lives um, waiting for that sweet time when we retire, right? And if we could just change that and realize, like, we don't need to wait till we retire to do all the things that are on our bucket list or on our list to do. Do them <laughs> now. Why not? That will bring happiness. Why are we waiting for happiness to happen okay. when we're 65? Okay. Why can't we be happy now when we're 40s, 30s, 20s, right? So and why? I, why can't we? Fear? We, I, Responsibilities? I hear this from a lot of people. Steve, I have a mortgage. Steve, I have kids. I'm like, yeah, me too. Me too. Right? And I think a lot of people get, get caught up in like, I need to be making a particular amount of money for me to finally go pursue something and sure I get it look everyone's got responsibilities and everyone comes from a different walk of life I get it I get it but if you're not happy doing what you're doing and you know there's something right there that's going to bring you tenfold more happiness then go do it make some sacrifices on this end so that you can do that True. and do that really really well and you do that really well enough and you're smart about the steps and planning and, and everything that's going to make you money if not the same amount probably more because you're more passionate about it so if you weren't teaching what would you do that's a tough question because i look at you as an educator i'm like she's a phenomenal phenomenal educator and i hope you rise through the ranks i don't know if you want to do that but i hope you do and create some noise up there but if you weren't teaching what would you do don't laugh i i I, I really i'm legit i want you would find me working at the local indigo i want to sell books yeah why I just, it's, I, I don't I know. I can't tell you why. I think it's because I am an avid reader. Yeah. But uh, my dream job, and I've said this to Zephyr, as soon as I retire, yeah. I am going to work at Indigo, and I am going to put books in people's hands. Why they, wait till you retire then, Miss Rauji? I know. I was right? actually looking this summer, but there's no openings at the local mall, so. The one thing I have realized in what I've been, what I've done in very, a very short amount of time is that a lot of people are like, what you're doing, Steve, is inspiring me. Totally. It's inspiring me to do what I've, I've known deep down inside I've always wanted to do, but I've been so afraid to do it. And I'm like, the story, like the story is incredible. And people are like, oh, you must have hated teaching. Not one bit. Okay, he did not hate teaching, if anyone's saying that. I worked with this guy. There was no way he hated teaching. He loved teaching, which is why um, when I opened up my Instagram in that, was it January? Yeah, end of January, yeah. End of January. I remember waking in the morning, you know, everybody does it. We check our Instagram feeds. We shouldn't be putting the coffee on, but we check Instagram first. And the first post that comes up is this guy in a car, and he's going to talk. And I'm like, oh, this looks really serious. And I listen. And I'm not kidding. My reaction was, 
oh man, he did it. That was my reaction. Yeah. Because, like you said, we all have, we all have um, interests, passions that we want to yeah. pursue, but we create barriers for ourselves. And you, for sure, um, set an example of what it means to just break through those barriers, right? And it's tough. Like, I don't want people to be like, hey, it looks so easy. No, it's tough, and I've done a, I've done a very, con- I've been very conscious about making sure people also see the struggles in it, because it's not glitz and glam all the time, especially in social media where everything is has to be perfect, right? Like we can't post that because there's a flaw here or there's a mistake here. No, people need to see it. People need to see the fails, and I'm very conscious about putting that out there, not only for my own two kids at home, but for the thousands of t- uh, students that I've taught to be like. They're post. He's posting failures, but it, it's not stopping him. Right. And we need to see that because we don't see that on right. Instagram. We don't see it's that on glamour. social. It's all glamour, perfection, right? And I'm like, no, it can't be like that, and it won't be like that, right? But let me ask you, right? Yeah. The the struggles they're worth it then. Huge. Because you're doing what you want to do. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Like the happiness factor. I'm just a happy. I'm a happy person. In general, yeah, Even, like, yes, <laughs> I'm just the happiest guy I know, and it's not happy all the time. Like I have bad days too, and I'm like, you know, I'll be like, ah, blah blah, very short lived. I'm like, okay, so then let's get back to it. Let's get back to it. Um, but I'm just, I don't know. It's the flexibility now, and the time that I have with my family is phenomenal, phenomenal. And my my game plan is not to make millions of dollars. Like if you ask me, Steve, will I stay in real estate for the rest of my life? Probably not. And that's amazing. Probably not. Like it could be three years and someone's like, hey, do you want to do this? Yeah, I do actually. Because that sounds amazing, right? I'll try it and see if it's for me. And if it is, then I'll go all in on that as well. Right. It's just, I don't know. Life's too short, just like you said. And like my good friend Zephyr said too. We got nothing nothing but love for you, Zephyr. Um, So let me ask you. So I know you're a woman of faith. You did talk about faith. How has faith impacted who you are today? Because remember you shared a story with me when you were in grade school. How you made the conscious decision. You came home and were like, Mom, Dad, I want to wear my hijab. Yeah, yeah. It's because you didn't. You didn't. Until no, a very particular so time. Our, like our family wasn't um, like <clears throat> observant um, before. And like you just said, I, I came home one day. I think I was around some friends who were um, like, it, was, it started as a joke a little bit. Like, hey, wouldn't it be interesting if we came to school in hijab tomorrow? And yeah. um, I came home and I made the decision myself. It was a choice, right? I said, I want to start wearing the hijab. And I told my mom, and the first thing she was like, oh, my God, what are people going to think about me? I don't wear it. You know? I was like, you do you, right? You do you, boo. <laughs> you do you, boo. This is something I want to do. Um, it's actually really That's funny. really but, funny, actually. And I, and I started wearing it. And it was because I was at a point in my life where I was, I was, like, I was in grade 7. And I was learning who I was. And I was becoming, you know, we're all becoming. And I was becoming this person who um, wanted to show the world who I was, that yeah. I am an observant Muslim, and that um, sometimes, you know, it's not easy walking that, Yeah. right? We, we could have a whole other podcast on that. Sometimes it's not easy walking that. And people often will ask me now, um, what's your expectation for Zoya? Is she going to be wearing the hijab? We talked about and this. And I say, I hope she would, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to tell her she has to or does it's going to be totally her decision yeah right and funny story she's in grade one probably like earlier on this year in january 
she woke up one day and it's like it came full circle she's like i'm going to school and i'm going to wear the hijab <laughs> and i said to her i could hear my mom's voice in my head what kind of a mother <laughs> why do you want to wear it you're in grade one you know and i, I was like no you shouldn't be because i understood did you say that no I, you should i be said you you're too why? young i said this was where i started with you're too young like you know you need to work at it like do you really know why and and then you know she was she you know she's 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 a strong girl yeah. and she said no she I'm is. wearing it, and I remember going to school that same day and talking to my principal and going, oh my god I'm so nervous she's wearing the hijab first day of school like I don't know what the um, acceptance will be of that and she looked at me and she goes are you crazy Khadija she goes you wear it yeah your mother wears it yeah why would you think that she wouldn't want to wear yeah. it. And that made sense to me, right? About about being a role model for my daughter. Like we talked about this earlier on. We don't realize the things that we do just naturally, the things that we say. Yeah. They are absorbing oh my all gosh. in. Yes. I'm happy to report she's not wearing it currently. She decided she, she didn't want to wear it then. And that's okay, right? Like I said to her, whatever you choose, if you decide to do it for a day, if you decide to do it for an hour, a week, a month, a year, whatever it is, yeah. as a family, we will support you. Yeah. Right. So it's been what, an interesting experience. So what was the what was the what was the reservation of 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 her wearing it? Was it was you were trying to protect her? Yeah, totally. Okay. You know, um, wearing hijab from a young age in grade seven, I I could write a book about all the experiences that I've had. Yeah. You know, um, uh, and what that means and sort of the picture. Unfortunately, it portrays to people. Yeah. And I didn't want her this early on in her life where she can't really make sense of it sure. to have the same experience. Yeah. So I was trying to, like you said, protect her and say, no, 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 hold off a little bit, you know, hold off. Don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. But she did it. And this was what was amazing. I remember talking to her principal and I, I literally cried. It was so embarrassing. I started tearing up with the principal on the phone because I had written her a letter to let her know to inform the school that this was happening. And that, you know, whatever the school needed, like if they needed books to share or whatever the case mm. may be, I was happy to support that transition for her. And the principal called me and she's like, you know, not to worry. You know, she had a chance to talk to her class. I've spoken to her like about it. And I started tearing on the phone and I was like, I'm so sorry and I'm so embarrassed that I'm doing this. But I'm realizing how different schools are from when I was a kid okay. to what it is now. That, that what we do you created mean? space. Okay. That okay. we created space for her to feel comfortable <clears throat> enough to do that. Yeah. Right? To take a bold step like that. It meant that she was comfortable. The school was doing something right yeah. that she could be like, hey, today I'm coming yeah. in with a hijab. Tomorrow yeah. I'm not. Right? Yeah. Like that there was this inclusion factor that her, her teachers, her school were putting in practice that now it was actually having an impact on her. Yeah. Right? So it was pretty cool. It's tremendous that you had the foresight and the desire to do that though right because as much as like you know you're we're going to protect our children but it's also having other people just be well informed like other kids right right and i think that's really really empower like really powerful and that's you as an educator and that's you as a phenomenal mom mm -hmm, like 100 <laughs> percent um okay so can i ask we're going to end it off a little bit on, on a light-hearted note what's your fondest childhood memory be silly please make it be silly Something really amazing. Fondest childhood memory. 
Really? Oh, look at look at her smile. It's something. So many, it has to be right? le- legal though, because you're currently still a teacher and childhood memory. Fondest childhood memory. Honestly, <laughs> it's it's just um, it's just the things that me and my brothers used to do. Like what? Like we had just fun times, right? Look at really your smile. Good, like what? Really good times. Sheer, like what? We need I examples. I don't want to embarrass him. It's actually not my memory, but it's something okay. that he did okay. that I just like. I can't believe he did that. Okay. Do you want me to share? It's a little TMI. It's, it's, if just, we're, if, we're being honest. Let's just do it. Let's so, do it. I was. We were living in a townhouse. There was five of us. We had our uncle visiting over, so there were six of us, and there were two bathrooms in the house. It's a bathroom story. So if you're eating right now, please turn Don't. off. Yeah, because this is this is kind of funny. So anyways, we had two bathrooms, and so um, my uncle was in one bathroom, and I was in the other bathroom, and I said earlier, I was the youngest of two older brothers. Yeah. So I got to get away with a lot of things. And I remember being in the bathroom, and I heard a, a, a knock, you know, like a, I gotta go. And I was like, it was my middle brother, and I was like, whatever, wait your, wait your turn. You know, I was one of those snobby yeah, yeah. sisters. And he's like... I'm not kidding. I gotta go. <laughs> I was like, go use the one upstairs, not knowing that that one was being used. And so it was a three-story townhouse. Took my time, came out, and it was quiet. And, um, I, you know, I went down a set of stairs, and my brother was just standing there. <laughs> and he was crying. Oh, no. And he goes, he goes, I told you I had to go. <laughs> and I was like, What's that smell? Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I remember my dad. Oh, man. Like, just, I'm, it's so uh, hilarious, but I just remember my dad coming and going, <laughs> what did you do? Like, you know, because he was, he was like, in his, like, you know, 10, 10 years old. Oh, right? my God. He was a baby. Yeah. Just things like that, right? You, you If you're lucky enough um, <sighs> to have a sibling. <laughs> There are some amazing sibling stories that you can that you can have uh, memories of, right? Do you guys still have a good relationship after that? <laughs> we still laugh about it to this day. It's awesome. Amazing. It's awesome. That's hilarious. So now, yeah, when he knocks, I know to get out right away. Yeah. No, no you got to ask him, hey, do you need to go before I go? Like, let's just set the ground rules. Uh, okay, favorite food dish, meal or food dish. Khadija's mom, by the way, is a phenomenal cook. She is. Um, I tried to give Trey credit, but... I was kind of hoping that when you came here today, oh. that... So, Mama Rauji... Great check, great um, check. Yeah, little disappointed. <laughs> uh, but favorite food dish or meal? Um, my favorite meal would be at Fedrick's, which is a restaurant in Markham. I do. We haven't been yet, okay. but it's just like... Because you're supposed to set it up. Yeah. Crickets, crickets. <laughs> Okay, so Fredericks. Yeah, okay, Fredericks, what what because dish? Because it's um it's it's, it's Chinese. Well, it's halal, H- yes, Haka, but yeah. it's it's Hakka, so it's Chinese Indian fusion food, and it's amazing. So I would recommend it to anyone. Particular actually. dish? Uh, you gotta have the chicken pakora. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna do. We're gonna do a foodie Friday there. Oh, we better. Yeah. Look at how happy you just well, got. I know, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's end it off, uh, Miss Rauji. What does it mean to you to be great and be kind? What does that mean to you? I know, it's a hard one, eh? Um, I think it means to me to just constantly um, find find opportunities. Sometimes those opportunities don't come to you. You have to look for them. Find opportunities to change someone else's day. Just, yeah. just be there for someone. Yeah. Like I said earlier, it doesn't have to be 
an hour commitment. If it's just like a, hey, how's it going? Yeah. You know, how was your how was your night last night? Yeah. Take time to do that. What else can you ask for? I want to say thank you so much for, you for spending your time today here with uh, with me. Um, I don't know a, a single person who's greater or kinder in my sphere of friends and sphere of influence. So thank you thank so much. You. Uh, I'm really excited that you're here. Thanks. Like honestly. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, and thank you for just sharing your whole journey and your story. I know so many people are going to get such tremendous value out of this. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I love you, thank sis. You. Uh, and I'll have you back on real soon. Thanks. As always, be great, be kind, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Take care. Bye-bye.